Yeah, I mean, you can write them down if you want, but <clears throat> yeah, Exodus, what is it? 20, Exodus chapter 20. I'm just going to read them very quickly. Uh, so if you want to write them down or you can read them in Exodus chapter 20, that's fine. Uh, but thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Image, excuse me. Uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments while he was here on earth, and he summarizes the Ten Commandments in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35 and following, it says this, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which of the great commandments, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, what was he talking about? Was he talking about just the Ten Commandments? No. And we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. But, <clears throat> and Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the first, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, well, before I get there, does anybody have any idea how many commandments there were in just the Old Testament? Okay, theologians argue about it, okay? It, it, it varies, but it's in excess of 600. 600 commandments just in the Old Testament. That's not counting the New Testament. Now, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where we're, where we're going to be this, this, this morning, so if you want to turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul closes 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, with, with chapter 5, but he closes it <clears throat> with commandments for the New Testament church. Let's start reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 9. It says, For God hath appointed us uh, to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should uh, live together with him. Therefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even <clears throat> as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And ye 
be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit and whole body be preserved blameless uh, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you who is also who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all brethren with a holy kiss. And I charge you by the Lord, this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your precious love. And Lord, I just ask as we look at this message this morning that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Commandments to the New Testament Church. Commandments to the New Testament Church. Now, this is a long title, uh, but it's going to be a long sermon, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> in the passage that we read in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul gives us 22 commandments to the, to the New Testament local church. 22 commandments, 22 things that we are told to do or told not to do. And we are going to look at the 22 commandments here in chapter 5. Uh, not all today, uh, but <clears throat> these commandments are practical principles that each of us needs if we're going to walk with the Lord. Each one of these principles that we've talked, that we just read, uh, <clears throat> will either set our feet on a course that we will follow Christ, or if we follow them, and in so doing, will point other people to Christ as well. Because when we are obedient, our lives change. And when our lives change, people notice, and, and it can impact the lives of others. So, number one, commandment number one, we see in verse 11. <clears throat> number one, be an encourager. Now, I'm going to try all 22 to start with a B-N or B-A something. It's the first four I was able to do that with. We'll see if I can do it 22 times. Uh, it, you know, that gets hard after a while. I'm just saying. So number one, be an encourager. 
Let's look at verse 11. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. The word comfort here literally means to encourage. It does not mean to come alongside somebody and just go, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, and that, that's not what it's talking about. But it literally means to be an encouragement. <clears throat> we are surrounded, in fact, we could even use the word inundated with bad news, are we not today? My, my wife and I have gotten to the point where we have stopped listening to the news. Because every time you turn on the news, it's just, it's just, it's just one thing after another after another. And, and to be perfectly honest, we're done with it. And I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to what's going on around in the world today, but I'm just saying, if you allow yourself to hear all the negative over and over and over, it's going to drag you down. And the Bible very clearly commands believers to be encouragers. Philippians chapter 4 <clears throat> verses verse 8 it says finally brethren whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things so what is paul trying to tell us here in philippians chapter 4 turn off the news don't allow all that negativity to drag you down because you cannot be an encourager if you are in the depths of, of despair. We have plenty to drag us down. COVID-19, uh, uh, the, the wearing of masks. There's not a person on the face of the earth that hates wearing a mask more than me. Just saying, okay? But I do it because, heaven forbid, I, I be the cause of somebody getting sick. But I can, I can sit around and complain about it all day long. And trust me, I have. We need to be very, very careful because this, this is a truth. I, I, and, and this is my own quote here. I was, again, once, once again, I impressed myself with this one. What we think about is what we talk about. And if we, get, if we become consumed with having COVID-19 or lockdown or being restricted or having to wear a mask, guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about that. So what we think about is what we talk about. What we talk about is a reflection of our hearts. So if, if, if all I can talk about is all the negatives that are going on in the world today, guess, guess, where, guess where my heart is? It's not in Jesus Christ. Because I was told in Philippians 
<clears throat> to think on these things, not on those things. And I cannot be an encourager if my heart is dwelling on the negative. In Luke chapter 6, in verse 45, it says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. See, what we dwell on is what we're going to talk about. And what we're talking about is a reflection of what's going on in our hearts. And again, my wife and I just got to the point where, you know what, we're, we're just, we're not watching the news anymore. Now, we watch the news to get the weather, a couple other things, turn it off. You know what, I, I'm not going to allow myself to focus on those things. I need to focus on Jesus Christ because I need to be an encourager and I cannot be an encourager if I'm being drugged down. Number two, we also see in verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. Number two, be a builder. Be an encourager and be a builder. The, the, the word edify literally means to build up. To build up. Got a question for you. <clears throat> what is the opposite of building up? Tearing down. Have another question for you. <clears throat> what is the best tool that you possess to tear someone down? Your tongue. <clears throat> James chapter 3 and verses 8, 8 through 10 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, wherewith bless we God, even the Father, and wherewith we curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. What is, again, what is James telling us here? You know, we have this thing in our head that God put there that we can either build up or we can tear down. Now, we just agreed that the greatest tool that we possess to tear down is the tongue. What is the greatest tool that we possess to build up? The tongue. Yesterday, most of you know that I... I, I've been working part-time out, out at the base, at the commissary out there. And, in fact, Tuesday's my last day. But um, I, I had to work yesterday because they're actually doing inventory right now. And, and the, the, one of the guys that works there was really, really discouraged yesterday. And, and, and I had the opportunity yesterday to pull him aside and use my tongue to help build him up and encourage him. What a blessing. You know, hopefully he felt better. I know I felt better. But God gave us our tongues. And we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to tear down or we're going to build up. And God commands us to be builders. I have a thought for you. It takes more energy and purpose 
to build than it does to tear down. Think about this for a second. We must be an encourager. We must be a builder. I, I, I got on the internet and I, I tried to figure this out. And to the best of my ability, <clears throat> it took nine years from the, from the start of planning to finish construction on the World Trade Towers. Nine years it took to build. How many hours did it take to tear them down? Not many. Not many. See, our lives are the same way. Not only does it take more time, but it takes purpose in our hearts and our lives for us to build people up. Building takes a lot longer than tearing down. How many of you have ever experienced a devastating teardown in your life by somebody speaking just a few simple words? We've all been there. How many times have you been the one saying those words wishing you had never said them? We've all been there too. But see, we are commanded to be builders. <clears throat> number three. <clears throat> well, no, let's, I, before we go to number three, let me read this passage and then we'll go to number three. Nehemiah chapter four, one of my favorite passages in all scripture because um, <clears throat> as many of you know, I used to, I used to be a builder and, and I just love construction. But one of my pass favorite passages in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens, and those that laden, every one with his one hand of his, with one of his hands wrought to the work, and the other held a weapon. But the builders, <clears throat> excuse me, for the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. I love this passage in Nehemiah because it is, it is a great encouragement to us, number one, to be building, to be encouraging, to be working. But what does it say? Everyone had one hand in the work, but the other hand on their weapon. We also need to be ready to fight. And we'll get into that later into the, into the commandments. <clears throat> but we all need to be ready to work. And when the people worked together, God was able to accomplish great things. Number one, be an encourager. Number two, be a builder. Number three, <clears throat> number three, be aware. You think, okay. Be aware. Look at verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Be aware. The word aware, or, or the, the, excuse me, 
the, in verse 12, uh, it says to know them means to be aware, to acknowledge, uh, to know by experience. Now, who are we to be aware of? Those that preach the word and labor among us and admonish us. We are to be aware of them. We are to know them personally. Uh, It is vital to know who is preaching and teaching the Word of God. You know, we just had revival with Tim and Megan Schmidt. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I've known Tim for, uh, we figured it out, probably close to 20 years I've known Tim Schmidt. You know, you may you may find this hard to believe, but it, it happens. Uh, <clears throat> but I get random phone calls periodically from some person I have no idea who they are, wanting to come in and preach to our church. I don't know them. In fact, when before we have a missionary come. I vet that missionary. I I need to know who they are. I need to know what they're going to be preaching. Why? Because I don't want them coming in here and spreading some kind of a lie or something. You know, we we are to know. We are to know them. And that is one of the reasons why... I try and put myself out with everybody in our church. I, I, I need to know who you are so that I can help minister in your life. But one of the main reasons I do that is so that you, you know me. You know, Jesus spent three years day and night with his disciples. Why? So that he could teach them, so he could spend time with them, so that they could know him because Jesus knew that he was leaving and that they were going to have to carry on after he was gone. And the only way that they could do that is if they knew him. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, it says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul here expresses a burning desire to know Christ more. And we should have that same desire to to know the, the, the people who are teaching us the word of God. In verse 12, the, the Paul uses the word beseech. That is a very, very, very strong word that he is very strongly urging the believers. Don't be passive. Get to know the people who are preaching and teaching the word of God to you so that you 
Well, let, let me ask you a question. Why do you think it's so important that that knowledge take place? Anybody? Trust. If you know me, hopefully the goal is that you'll trust me. One of the things that I've tried to do from the very beginning of Grace Baptist Church is to be very transparent. You can pick up my phone. Well, my phone's back there, but my, you can pick up my phone. You can come to my house and get on my computer, and, and none of them are locked. Now, I keep my, my tablet locked just because my sermon notes are on here, and I, I'm always fearful some kid's going to get a hold of my tablet and erase my notes. <laughs> But that's the only reason I lock this. But there's nothing on here. I mean, anybody, my, my life is an open book. You can come to me anytime you want, ask me anything you want, and I will be as honest as I possibly can. Why? Because I understand the need for you to be able to trust me. And then number four, number four commandment. And this one is where we're going to stop. But number four, be a safeguard. Be a safeguard. Look at, look at verse 12 again. <clears throat> I beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in the love for their work's sake. The word esteem in today's vernacular means to hold in high regard or we could even go as far as worshiping an individual. That is not what this word means. This word literally means to consider or to protect. That's why I picked the, the, the word safeguard, to be a safeguard. <clears throat> we need to be a safeguard for them that preach the word. In fact, we as a church did that very thing this last week when we gave the $3,500 love offering to the Schmitz. What were we doing? We were financially stepping into the gap for them, were we not? And praise God for that. In Exodus chapter 17, verses 11 and 12, it says, And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hands, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat upon it, and Aaron and her uh, stayed <clears throat> up his hands, and the one on the one side and the, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Now, I'm going to do something that I very, 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 very seldom do, but I want to read you something. I was... A friend of mine recommended that I buy this book. It's um, called Refresh, 
Leading with a Healthy Soul is the name of the book. It's written by a pastor for pastors. So, I mean, you can get it and read it if you want, but um, <clears throat> uh, it is specifically written for pastors. But I wanted to read something for you, and, and the, my purpose in reading this is not that you feel sorry for me, okay? That, but the reality is that I will not always be the pastor of Grace Baptist Church. Just saying. Some of you are going to move away, and you're going to have another pastor. And, and so <clears throat> it, is, uh, it is important that you understand some of the pressures that a pastor goes through. Fifteen hundred pastors leave the ministry permanently every month in America. Let that sink in. Why do you think that is? Partially because of the passage we just read. Very few pastors are fortunate like me that I have men like and, and women in our church that stand with me and help me. Most of them are in it all by themselves. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month in America. 80% of pastors and 85% of pastor spouses feels, feel discouraged in their roles. 70% of pastors do not have a close friend, confidant, or mentor. This one broke my heart. Over 50% of pastors are so discouraged they would leave the ministry if they could <clears throat> if they had the ability of making a living doing something else. 50% of pastors' wives feel that their husbands entered ministry, <clears throat> excuse me, feel their husband entering ministry was the most destructive thing to ever happen to their family. 30% of pastors say <clears throat> they had either been in an ongoing affair or had a one-time sexual encounter with a parishioner. 71% of pastors stated they are burned out and the battle uh, and they battle depression among fatigue on a weekly or even a daily basis. And this one, this one hurt. One out of every ten. Think about this. One out of every ten ministers will actually retire as a minister. Now, why did why did I read that? So that so that you feel sorry for me for that that's that that was not my point. If if you think that, then you don't know me. But the reality is, 
many of us a year from now may not be here. We may be at other churches. We may be out of state, whatever. I don't know. But all I'm saying is take care of your pastor. Why? Because the Bible says so, not because I say so. How can you take care of your pastor? Number one, you can pray for him. As I, as I was studying for this, <clears throat> I did a lot of reading on different, different things. And, and, and it, almost the number one thing across the board was pastors, if, if pastors could tell their people to do something for them, the number one thing was to pray for them. So my, my admonishment to you is this. How much time do you spend on a weekly basis praying for my wife and I? Don't answer. I don't care. But God cares. Spend time getting to know us. Be active in your church. Be in church. I can't, I can't tell you what an encouragement it is that a pastor to look out and see faces. This morning, my heart is heavy for faces I'm not seeing this morning that people are normally here. And I'm not going to name names because that's, that's not my point, but I can come up with at least a half dozen faces right now of people I have already prayed for this morning. And the truth is, when you're not here, I worry about you too. Probably the second most important thing that you can do for your pastor is be patient with him. Because <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and other pastors are going to make a lot of mistakes. You want your pastor to be patient with you, then you need to be patient with your pastor. The truth is, we will not be safeguards. We will not be in the mode of protecting our pastor. We will not be lifting the hands of our pastors <clears throat> if we don't know them. We must be aware so that we can be safeguards. We've only covered eight, uh, uh, four of the 22. We have 18 more commandments to go. <laughs> like I said, we would be here a week uh, if, if I were to preach all, all 18. But let me ask you a question. How are you doing so far? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. At the beginning, I said that the Ten Commandments, there are two basic principles in the Ten Commandments, either loving God or loving men. And I dare say that the 22 commandments here in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 are, are going to have the same two principles. Number one, be an encouragement. Be, be an encourager uh, <clears throat> starts with right thinking. We have to get our thinking right in order to be a, an encourager. Number two, be a builder. <clears throat> it takes more energy and purpose to build than it does to tear down. 
Number three, be aware. Uh, It's vital that we know who's preaching and teaching the Word of God to us. I'm going to take a little side note, a little side trail here. It's not in my notes, so you can can come look, make sure. Be careful on the Internet. Be be really careful on the Internet. I I listen to sermons from, um, what's that sermon app that I, Sermon Audio. Uh, I listen to sermon audio if I like when I'm going out to the prison or go sometimes going to Reno or whatever, I have a long drive, I'll listen to a sermon. But you know what? I only listen to sermons of pastors that I people I know. Why? Because I'm not immune to false teaching. There's a lot of people on the internet that sound good. How much how much untruth does it take let's see how do I want to say that in other words <clears throat> a little leaven leaveneth a whole lump and it, and it only takes a little bit of untruth to spread like a cancer and Jesus warns us of people like that And then number four, be a safeguard. Be willing to stand in the gap for your pastor. And and again, you you have no idea how hard it is for me to say things like that. Because as far as I'm concerned, Grace Baptist Church is is a wonderful church. You guys take care of us and you stand in the gap for us oftentimes. But never forget, we need you desperately. Because we're in the fight. And I'll be honest with you. Again, I'm just being transparent. There have been, in the last 11 years, several bouts of depression that we've gone through. But you never hear us talking about it. We try our best never to let it reflect. But if we know that you're behind us, then we know we can get through it. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that you would guide and direct in our lives in a very specific way. Lord, we, <clears throat> many of us made decisions last week uh, during the revival. And, and Lord, I just want to reinforce those decisions this morning and help us, dear God, to see and to know how much you truly do love us and how much you want us to walk with you and, and, and how much you want us to be a blessing to, to those around us. Lord, I, I, I just thank you so much for all that you do. Help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. With every head bowed and every eye closed.